it's like I'm always the youngest one. So funny.
Well, good morning, everyone. This Labor Day weekend, as we finish our sermon series, uh, The Lies and Distortions that uh, we tell ourselves. And today we're going to end with the distortion that uh, I'm not spiritually strong or spiritually or my faith is not big enough for God to work through me. One of the lies that we tell ourselves, maybe we look at other people and think if I was only faithful like that person, God would do great things through me, but as faithfully depleted as I am, he's not going to work through me. And that's maybe a lie that we tell ourselves if I was just like somebody else, spiritually and faithfully. Now we know it it doesn't work like that. We know that in our brains, but our hearts don't always see that. Uh, A few announcements before we begin our worship this morning. Uh, Tracy, sorry, asked me to relay that we desperately need at least one person to help out with Sunday school here uh, on Sundays after service. So if you know anybody or you yourself would like to help with that, that would be very welcome. So if just think about that. Um, Our fall schedule starts next weekend. Uh, Here, we'll start with our Bible hour after service, and at our other site, we'll start with everything that goes on there. I am not going to name them off. That's that's why you have a bulletin, but the three services kick back up. You know we are standing still in the summer, and then as fall reach starts, we start sprinting, and that's where we're at right now. Uh, Our devotion books are right out there. I've seen the the hard copies are out there. So if that's your, if you'd rather do that than look at them online, grab one on your way out. I see a few of them have been taken. So that's good. We can always get more. Um, September 18th and October 25th, we do not have times yet, um, but we are going to have training for anybody that's interested in the congregation. It's uh, chest compression shock training and stop the bleed. So it's, uh, it's kind of a CPR uh, first aid training. I took it, it was phenomenal. So if, when you see the details for that come out, I strongly urge you to take that, to take that training. Um, El Aragonal, our care point in Guatemala, our mission point. Uh, we're having a drive September 16th and 17th. 50 new kids are looking for sponsors. So we're gonna address that on September 16th and 17th. And we are, and I quote, in immediate need of a facilities manager and volunteers to help starting this coming week uh, at our two sites. So if you yourself or you know somebody that might be interested and could help us out, um, call Dan or Aaron or let me know and I will get your name to them. Uh, There's the job description they're working out, so it's kind of a work in progress, but it's kind of an urgent need that, that we have. So I was asked to relay that to you. All right, that's enough of the logistics. So I invite you as you're able to rise for our first song.
declares your majesty you are for confession using our song Lord I need you I need a savior
O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know, you know when, when I, I sit, sit and when, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Almighty God knows us better <clears throat> than we know ourselves. He knows our every word, our every thought, our every weakness, and our every temptation. Nothing, Nothing in all creation, creation is hidden from God's sight. sight. Everything, Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Let us come together now in a time of confession and reflect on our sinful thoughts, words, and actions.
Well, Jesus told us that he didn't come for the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. And over the summer, we've contemplated the many lies that we tell ourselves. And when it comes to repentance, when it comes to laying our burdens down at the foot of the cross, one of the things, two of the things that we can tell ourselves is number one, I'm not as bad as the next guy over here. And maybe I don't need to go to confession. Or two, what I've done or what I keep in my heart is too awful for even God to forgive. But yet here we are laying those sins at the foot of the cross. And because we have done that, we are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Strong and mighty tower, your name. 
And our first reading for this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. To keep me from becoming conceited, because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And we'll read sections of Psalm 16 here responsively. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. You are. As for the saints who are in the land, they are glorious ones in whom all my delight. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And I will praise the Lord who counsels me, even it my heart instructs. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. And made known to me the path of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And I invite you as you're able to please rise for our gospel reading, which comes from the gospel of John, the first chapter. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and brought him to Jesus. 
Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said of him, he is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Please be seated. <clears throat> now, when you think of someone who, that God would use to do great things in the world, perhaps you get a mental picture. <laughs> Perhaps it's that one. <clears throat> Perhaps you get a mental picture of who that might be. Maybe you think of the late Reverend Billy Graham, who just reached so many people with his crusades and his ministry all over the world. Maybe you get downright biblical about it. Maybe you think if I only had the strength and the spiritual maturity that Job had to stay faithful in the face of all those awful things that life threw at him, that God actually let happen to him. Now, I assume you don't want those things to happen to you, but it would be nice to have the faith and the spiritual strength and maturity that Job had. When we tell ourselves these lies, that God can't work through us if I'm not blameless and upright, as Job is described to be, we think that God picks out already faithfully strong and spiritually strong people and only uses them. And I think it often escapes us that their spiritual strength, that their faithfulness, that their love for God actually is a gift from him. They didn't make themselves that way. They didn't make themselves strong or faithful. But I think we also forget that God uses all kinds of people to carry out his will in the world. People in all different places in their faith life. Yes, even us sitting here today. So let me greet all of you with grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. One of the great examples of God's choice to work through and bring the good news to so many is Paul as he writes here to us in his second letter to the Corinthians. And in this text, he talks about a thorn or a suffering that has been brought to him. 
Now, the speculation of what that is has been from physical illness to mental illness to temptation to speech problems. We don't really know what it is. But it makes him beg God three times to take it away from him. And we think of the Apostle Paul as strong and faithful. No matter what happens, he faces all kinds of trials, talks about rejoicing and sufferings all the time, jailed, beaten, all kinds of things happen to him. And yet he remains spiritually and faithfully strong. But let's remember where he came from. Where did he start? He hated Jesus, hated him, hated all of his followers. And that's when he was Saul, a very, the least likely choice for God to choose to bring his word to people. Now, if you remember the story of the conversion of Saul, he instructs a guy named Ananias to help Saul after his conversion. Ananias actually asks God, do you know who this guy is? He hates you. He looks for ways to harm people who love you. He's basically saying, is this the guy you want to choose to bring your love and your word to other people? He hates your disciples and all those who call on your name. Spiritually strong? Saul was a hater of the son of God, but called by the gospel anyway. Little David, I call him little David because that's kind of how he's made reference to in the Bible as the one chosen out of Jesse's sons to be anointed king of Israel. Most thought that it was going to be Eliab, Jesse's tall, powerful, and I say kingly looking son. But no, God chose the little shepherd boy to be king. And we know that David had his share of sinful weaknesses, even in his reign as king of Israel. But he was chosen by God. In 1939, a man joined the Nazi party at the brink of World War II. He had even worked gathering intelligence for the Nazis, collecting information as he worked in Poland. He eventually acquired an enamelware factory in Krakow, which is in Poland, and which at its peak in 1944 employed 1,750 people, a thousand of which were Jewish people. His connections to the Nazi party allowed him to protect his Jewish workers from deportation to concentration camps. And as we know, Poland during World War II was, had the worst not as if there's a good one, had the worst concentration camps that we know of, of Auschwitz and Krakow. By July 1944, Germany was losing the war. And the SS was gathering all the Jewish people and moving them to Krakow and to Auschwitz to be exterminated, executed by gas and in those awful ovens. This man was allowed by Amon Goeth, to move his factory to Brnek, which is in Poland, sparing many of his workers from death. Goeth was the commandant of Krakow. And this man used all his fortune on bribes and black market purchases to move a list of 1,200 Jewish people to this factory in Brnek to prevent their execution. That is factory produced very little 
material that worked or was beneficial to the Nazis. Now, the man had first started by getting Jewish investors who were not allowed to own anything in Nazi Germany to give him his money so he could invest in this enamelware factory. So he started off with selfish means so he could make money from their unfortunate circumstances. And as the war and the evil of mass murder progresses, this man's heart turned to want to save the lives of these people no matter what the expense. And this is a man who loved his money. He wasn't good with it, but he loved it. He even helped reroute a train that took 300 Jewish women to Auschwitz where they spent a couple of weeks. And he had that rerouted to his factory where they would have, they would have faced certain death at Auschwitz in the gas chambers. A quote about this man, and I wish I could remember who said it, but in my research, I forgot to write this down. They called this man that he was a repentant opportunist who saw the light and rebelled and rebelled against a, sadist, a sadism and vile criminality all around him. The country of Israel actually recognizes this Nazi, this guy, as righteous among the nations. If you know anything about Israel, that's a big thing for them. Because of his actions to help 1,200 people that were saved and become known as the Schindler Juden or the Schindler Jews and the generations that stemmed because of those 1,200 people. And the man's name, if you've never heard of him, his name was Oscar Schindler. Maybe you saw the movie that was made about him years ago. He was greedy. He was an opportunist. Supposedly Catholic, but it was described when I read about him as lapsed. He was habitually unfaithful to his wife and a very poor steward of finances. Spend, spend, spend. Get, get, get. Spend, spend, spend. Yet God worked in his heart and through him to do something truly amazing and astonishing. The Lord has his reasons for calling who he does, for working through the people that he does. He works in and through broken, sinful people. Now, I don't think I made this point last night, but I want you to understand, I'm not saying it's okay to live, you know, sinning boldly and think that God's going to work through you anyway because he works through all kinds of people. But I just want you to see that God does turn the hearts of who we might consider to be the worst choice to spread his word or to do his will. Maybe he didn't even know he was an instrument of God's will. In our gospel, we have Jesus calling his disciples. Many of them, probably in our eyes anyway, we wouldn't think were spiritually strong or faithfully mature enough to be disciples of the Son of God. But remember when Jesus tells them all later, even Judas, you did not choose me, but I chose all of you. So we don't get to take any credit for the work that God does through us. So it doesn't matter where you're at in your faith life. Matthew, a reviled, cheating tax collector, that was not in our gospel, but when he's called... That's who he is for the Romans. They hated the Romans. Nathaniel, who doesn't think anything good can come out of Nazareth, but they are all God's perfect 
choice to do his will. Saul hated and persecuted Christians, even enjoying the moment, enjoying, which is sick when you hear this, as Stephen is stoned to death. But Jesus calls him out of that hatred and turns his soul and his heart to him. The least likely and least deserving to carry the gospel to all those places, to Galatia, to Ephesus, to suffer in all those places for the sake of Jesus. King David with the deceit and murder that he committed to have Bathsheba. Look through the Bible, the Lord makes the weak spiritually strong. They don't come that way. And like them, yes, he calls us to serve and to carry the truth to others. I'm often wondering why he's called me to be doing what I'm doing right now. But like Paul, we should thank him for our faith, for the daily blessings that we take for granted. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not Paul. I don't know that I could sit here and rejoice in sufferings and be glad in pain. But like Paul, here I am. Here we all are. Called by the gospel. The good news of forgiveness and eternity with God is ours. So remember the words to the song and you'll know it. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. And in his name, amen. And at this time, as we gather our offerings, we just want you to remember how grateful and thankful we are for your support of our ministry here at Faith. Promise he won't let you go 
Heavenly Father, as broken and sinful as we all are, you have called us by faith, not to live by our deeds, not to live by our own righteousness, but to always look to the cross. Help us to be instruments to carry that word to others. We don't turn hearts, but you do. And help us to be instruments, Lord, of your will, knowing that it's not our righteousness, it's not who we are that makes your power great. We ask you to be with those who are lonely, who are depressed, addicted, anxious, those who are ill, recovering from surgery or facing surgery. Especially in our prayers this morning, we remember Mike Klee, Elton Jondry, and Farrell Lewis. We ask you to be with them and healing, heal them according to your gracious will. Keep them strong in body, mind, and spirit. And Lord, we also ask you to give hope to those who have lost loved ones. We ask you to be with the family of Laurie Bame and David Krieger. Both were called to their heavenly homes this past week. We ask you to walk with their families, dry their tears as only you can do, but give them the hope of the empty tomb and the knowledge of the promise of the life to come. The hope that gets us through each and every day, even when pain seems too much to bear. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the joys in our lives, the joy of marriage. We celebrate 55 years of marriage with Tom and Jan Thompson, 58 years of marriage with Pat and Ken Shonakey. We ask you to give them many more years together with you at the center of their lives and they remember the promises that they made in your presence. And we also remember, Lord, those we name silently in our hearts, and those in our ongoing prayers. And we pray this all as you have taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take and drink. This is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now the peace of the Lord be with all of you. Take a moment to share God's peace with those around you. Secure from all. 
Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul into life everlasting. Depart in peace. We bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come. Help us to be grateful, not in ourselves, but in your love, in your mercy, and in your grace, which is by definition something we have that we don't deserve. Help us to love others, sharing the good news with them, knowing that you work in and through us because you have given us faith. Keep us strong, and in your son's name we pray. Amen. And now may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you all with favor and give you peace. Amen.
the Lord and enjoy this beautiful day. Because my dad is preaching at Christ the Rock and I want to hear it.